I'd like to invite your attention this morning to Psalm 19. Psalm 19, if you would turn there with me. And before we read the psalm, let's do go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we just ask you to let it just, uh, Lord, uh, ex Lord, just uh, go through us today, showing us of our need of you, of our sins. And the Lord, just uh, use it for your honor and glory. And if there be any who know you not, know Christ not as Lord and Savior, even now convict them and help me, your unworthy servant, as I preach it today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Psalm 19. We begin reading in verse 1. The words of King David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom cometh coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. We are living today in what many call a post-Christian society. Uh, when I say post-Christian society, uh, there's just uh, Christian values have gone. And I know some, you know, some, I mean, we're, we're all brought up at different times in our lives. I know some of you back 50s, 60s, and me, 70s and 80s. And sometimes we look back at those times as better than they really were, you know, 
but if but what we're seeing today this declining morals has been going on for decades maybe over a hundred years in a new poll done by the University of Chicago just a few months ago the poll showed that not quite 50% of Americans say they have no doubt about the existence of God. Now, that doesn't mean the other 50% are atheists or agnostics. It just means that only 50% say they have no doubts about the existence of God. Others may say they believe in God, but they're not sure. And I think this goes back to a secularization of society as a whole, even in families, American culture. And the church has not done a very good job. Let's just say that the churches in America have not done a good job in, in evangelism, discipleship, many times being too superficial, playing games, and the world doesn't play games. It plays hardball. It should be concerning for us in that we've also seen many uh who have in, been leadership positions within churches who have departed completely from the faith, not just quit church, but departed and renounced Christianity. And we should pray for their eyes to be opened. In today's psalm that we're looking at, Psalm 19, this is a psalm of King David. And he mentions two great witnesses that we need to pay attention to for the existence of God and of who He is. And the world today is ignoring these two witnesses. The first witness, he starts out in verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens not referring to the very abode of God and the angels and the saints who have passed away, but as Strong's Concordance states, the abode of the stars, the visible universe declare the glory of God. You ever look up in the skies at night, see the stars, you see the moon? David says all of this is declaring the glory of God. All of this is saying there is a God. It's what we often call the natural revelation of God, nature's revelation. There is of God. Notice he states, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Uh, or the skies, one other translation of this states, display his craftsmanship. You ever think during the day? And I was thinking about that. You know, I've read this. You know, you look at the blue skies, and David's saying that is declaring the handiwork of God. That there's a creator of this world in this universe. The blue skies we see every day show forth God's craftsmanship. And notice in verse 2, you know, he says, Day unto day it utters speech. Night unto night showeth knowledge. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Now, we know the heavens and the firmament or the skies that we see don't literally speak don't literally have a voice. But he's saying the message here, they speak a message to us. There's a God. It goes, look, 
unto, it showeth knowledge. There's no place where their voice is not heard. And that's true. We're living here in southeast Louisiana and you can go outside and you will see the blue skies. You'll see the sun. You'll see the stars and the moon tonight. If you go down to Brazil, you're going to see the same thing. If you go to Antarctica, you're going to see it. You go to Canada, you'll see it. You go to China, Japan, Africa, the Middle East. You're going to see all of this that David's describing. All of this is a universal witness to humanity of God's existence. Uh, God is a creator. He is our creator. And there is a God. He says their line has gone out through the earth. Their words to the end of the world. Uh, my One of the... Uh, my King James Version of preaching Bible here it has a note, their ruler direction, it says, can be translated. It's everywhere. This is declared. And then David describes the sun's rising in the west, which it does, and it's going across the sky and setting in the west like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Notice it, it, he set a, a tabernacle for the sun, kind of like when it rises in the morning. Now, and, and, and then it goes across the sky and it runs like a strong man. Now that term bridegroom coming out of his chamber, it, it may be an unfamiliar term that we here in the West are not familiar with here in the 21st century. But in ancient times, I'll use the, the commentary from the pulpit commentary, the bridegroom went forth in glorious apparel and is preceded by a blaze of torchlight. In other words, he would, he would be, you know, in our, main, in our day and time, it's the bride who is the center of a wedding. Let's just face it. We say, here comes the bride. We don't say, here comes the bridegroom, do we? The bride, you know, coming out in glorious apparel. But in ancient times, in the east, it was the bridegroom. He came out with his great apparel and, a, and, with, and was preceded by a procession of people with their torchlights. And David compares the sun crossing the sky like that. Here it rises here in, from, from the east like a torch going across the sky and then setting in the west in the evening. It's like an athlete running. It's, it's not going to stop. Not going to stop. Nothing stops it. It crosses the sky in blazing glory. Uh, in ancient times, many of the ancient pagans, they worshiped the sun because of this, because of the glory they, of the sun. But David does not worship the sun. David says, no, the sun is is bringing glory to the Creator. It points to the fact there is a Creator. This blazing ball that we see uh, that our earth revolves around. And I like what he says in um, uh, the latter part of verse 6, uh, where there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Now, you might could hide from the light of the sun, you know, like we're in here, there's no windows. But the heat, 
You can't hide from it. There's a reason we got air conditioner going right now, isn't it? <laughs> you turn that air conditioner off for a little while, and you're gonna feel the heat of the sun. Uh, you, you got it. You know, we we here in the deep south, we have to battle that heat. But hey, thank God for the heat. If you think about it, if it wasn't for the sun, my friends, this earth, no, all life would die on earth. And that's the reason you can grow a garden. That's the reason farmers can plant crops uh, and we get food because of the warmth of the sun. And David understands this. Scientists often say the earth, where the way it rotates around the sun, is in what's called the Goldilocks zone. It's in the perfect position. If we were a little bit closer, like to our near, nearest neighbor, Venus, We'd be, we'd literally would burn up. It'd be, I mean, we there's no life. If we were a little bit farther to our other nearest neighbor, Mars, we'd all be, we'd freeze to death. The Earth is in the perfect position, and don't think that's by accident. Is it is God put us here? What scientists call it the Goldilocks position, but we know it's God who put us here. We're in the perfect place. And though we may not like the heat, especially us here in Louisiana don't, in the deep south, thank God for it, for in it is life. It's life. It's a blessing from the Creator and that the food that we eat all goes back to the warmth of the sun uh, bringing forth life here on earth. But we don't worship that sun. We worship the Creator of the sun. That's what David is trying to get over, that the sun declares the glory of God. You go back a few chapters to Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8. And verses 3 and 4. Again, this is David. David said in verses 3 and 4 of Psalm 8, When I consider the he thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visited him. David says, when I consider the heavens, when I look up in the sky at night and see all the, all the stars and just how magnificent it is, the moon and all that, which thou art ordained, I'm overwhelmed. And I think, what is man? With all of this, why are we, you know, why are you mindful of us? Boy, that's a powerful statement. You know, this universe is just magnificent. It's powerful. Uh, and we've seen through the, the Hubble telescope just how big it is and the glory it shows. And Recently, was it last year, this James Webb telescope they put out, and it's just showing even more things about our universe, more galaxies, more stars. And our planet is like a little blue dot in this entire universe. But it's on this little blue dot that God the Son enfleshed Himself and died on a cross for sinners and was mindful of us. That should make you, just put you in awe, folks, that God is mindful of us. Praise be to Him. 
you go to Psalm 148. Psalm 148 in verse 3. The psalmist here states, Praise you Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all ye stars of light. The stars, the moon, the sun, and all of this praise the Creator, pointing to a Creator. Uh, some of y'all may have a a telescope, maybe, I don't know if any of y'all do, and maybe look up in the skies, and you know what I'm talking about, but it, it, I, I, I'll just challenge you, if you got a pair of binoculars on a clear night, when it's no clouds in the sky, you look up, just just look up, just with the, it, it can be a cheap pair of binoculars, because I've done this before. You'll see that when you look up, the stars you see up there, it will go, you'll see almost double or triple the amount of stars. When you put that, I mean, it, it just opens your eyes and say, wow. And then you point it at the moon if it, on a full moon, and it seems like it, it'll just blow up. It's Those things are praising God and saying, there is a creator. This part of creation is praising God, pointing to his existence. Now in Psalm 14 in verse 1, David had some harsh words for those who deny the existence of God. He says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. Now, when David says the fool, he's not talking about an uneducated person necessarily or someone who is just plain stupid. He is saying that the person who denies the existence of God is rejecting God's revelation of Himself through nature. There's a Facebook page. I don't believe it's a, a Christian page. It's called Atheism is Dead. I believe it's... I'm trying to think the, of the name of... of there's a, I can't think of the name right now of what this philosophy is, but it's basically uh, a scientific philosophy, which is right, that there is a God. And uh, it doesn't... And... and one of their, the guy who ever runs this page, Atheism is Dead, when atheists say, hey, prove the existence of God to me, his, their, his response is, prove God doesn't exist. Because he says, it's up on you to do it. And really, if you look what the Bible has to say, that's what David is saying. It's up to you to prove he doesn't exist. I mean, look around. Genesis 1 1 does not begin with an argument for the existence of God. It says in the beginning, what? God created the heavens and the earth. The assumption of the Bible is there is a creator. Joe Rogan, a popular podcaster, who I think is an agnostic, maybe, uh, no, I don't think he's an atheist. An agnostic is one who just doubts the existence of God. Recently said, even admits there's problems with science, modern day science, because it says science allows for one miracle in all the history of humanity. It allows for one miracle. The Big Bang. <laughs> something comes from nothing and after that can't allow no more. But he, he basically was saying science cannot explain the Big Bang. That there was, there, that there was a creation point somewhere back eons ago. Even... And, and but they can't explain how did that happen? Well, the Bible tells us. See, the Bible answers that. 
And it's one of the great shortcomings of the atheists and agnostics. In Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 23, the Apostle Paul writes, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Hey, here in verse 20, Paul's stating basically the same thing David's stating. The invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. They're without excuse, humanity is. Then verse 21, because that which they knew, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God in the image into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. The heavens declare the existence of God. It reveals there's a creator. But what does humanity do? Humanity is without an excuse, Paul is stating. Unfortunately, Paul's just basically describing all this in Romans chapter 1. Humanity since Adam ran from the true God, rejecting His revelation. And what did humanity do? They created their own false gods. And this continues on and on. Rejecting the one true God, they follow other gods. But nature tells us there is a God. That is the first witness we read here in Psalm 19. But there's a second witness beginning in verse 7 and Brother Chris mentioned this witness uh, in catechism this morning. Because then David switches he, he switches gears you might could say in verse 7 revealing this second witness. The law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. See, creation testifies there's a God. This is a universal declaration throughout the world. It cannot be denied is what David is saying, what Paul states. It displays His glory to the entire world. But David tells us, secondly, there's an even more perfect witness of who God is. He says the law of the Lord is perfect. Referring to Specifically here, he's speaking of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the law, though I believe we can broadly also, as we'll see later, refer to this to the all Holy, Holy Scripture as a whole. You see, the heaven's natural testimony tells the whole world there is a God. But there's limitations on it. It doesn't tell us who that God is. See, the heavens declare there's a God but not who that God is. But, but Scripture goes even farther. 
Scripture's witness is even greater for it tells us who we are and who God is. He says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The law shows us of our inability to be right with God. It points, it converts the soul. It brings to a reminder of the Apostle Paul when he refers to the Word of God this way. He says in Romans 10, 17, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God helps convert the soul to Christ. Notice he also states here, David does, uh, the t testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. From the Word of God comes wisdom. Verse 8, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. It brings joy to the heart of those who know Him. Uh, for the believer, the Word of God is essential for our spiritual growth. And I know Brother Jimmy's mentioned this over and over again. I believe, and I, I totally agree with him. In the mornings, it's so important we get in the Word. I know you can do it throughout the day also, but I found out over, you're going to war. <laughs> you're going to war and Satan's going to be hitting, hitting you. You need to be putting your armor on. And the Word of God fills you and prepares you for that, that battle. Let me say, you know, I, I love, as I early, earlier said, you know, seeing nature's beauty and how it declares who God is, how the heavens declare that. It's awesome to look at all this thing. But nothing beats the revelation of God found in His Word. David states the commandment of the Lord is pure enlightening the eyes he goes on to state here. It enlightens us to the truth of who God is. The Word of God does. He states the fear of the Lord is clear and doing forever. It's pure. It's forever. Uh, the law brings a fear or a reverence for God. He also states the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And that the truth of the Word is to be more desired than all the riches of this earth. Look, the lost world desires all the riches of this world. And we can fall in that trap, but nothing is greater than the Word of God. For it, it brings life to us. It's sweeter than honey from a honeycomb. Let me state, without the Bible, one does not have a complete revelation of who God is, who we are without God, and our need for salvation. There's a popular megachurch preacher, Andy Stanley, who's made over the last five years has made headlines here a few years ago saying we, need to, we as Christians need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament, that we need to be more New Testament people. And then this, this past year, he's went even farther saying, look, we need to just unhitch ourselves from both of them. Uh, you know, basically, I want to focus on you know, the resurrection of Jesus and what, him, him dying on the cross and His resurrection, that's all we need to focus on. But there's a major, major flaw in His logic. For how do we know who Jesus is? It's from the Word of God. Now what does the Bible say, the New Testament say about this? Well, 
Go with me to John chapter 1. The Gospel of John chapter 1 and verse 45. John chapter 1 and verse 45. And we read here of Philip. And read, notice what Philip says to Nathaniel. Philip findeth Nathaniel and said unto him, We have found him of whom, what? Moses in the law and the prophets did write Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Who pointed to Jesus? Moses. His writings in the law and the prophets. Go over a few chapters to chapter 5. John chapter 5. In verse 39, now Jesus was debating these unbelieving, the unbelieving Jews. And what did He tell them? In verse 39, He says, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of Me, and ye will not come to Me that ye might have life. He says, you Search the Scriptures. Now their problem was, they were trying to keep the law. Brother Chris brought that out in Baptist Catechism. They're trying to keep all this. He says you need to search the Scriptures. You think you have eternal life by doing all this law keeping. But they testify of Me. They point to Me. But you won't come to Me. And then he goes even farther. Go to verse 45 here in, in uh, uh, John, John 5. Says, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom you trust. Hey, you always talking about we, you know, keeping the law. Says, I'm the one who's going to condemn you. The one who is going to accuse you is Moses himself. Because, well, let's go to verse forty-six. For had ye believed Moses, you would you would have believed me. For he wrote of me, for if you believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Jesus turned the tables on and said, you're not keeping the law of God. You're not keeping the words of Moses because Moses pointed to me coming as the Messiah, the one who fulfills the law. Again we see the Word of God pointing to Jesus, the more perfect revelation in Luke chapter 24, verse 27, when Jesus was on the road to Emmaus, what did he, how did He speak to these disciples? He says, "In beginning at, well, they, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. He says, Moses and all the prophets pointed to Jesus Christ. It all points to Jesus. You see, Scripture gives us this more perfect revelation of Jesus. And then, finally, in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and I know you're probably familiar with these two verses of Scripture, but it's good to always repeat them where Paul stated, all Scripture 
is given by inspiration of God. That can be translated also, all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Scripture's testimony of God is completely pure. This is how we know who He is. This is how we know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Messiah, the One the prophets pointed to. That Christ died on the cross. That He achieved salvation for us. It is Scripture that gives us this great uh, uh, revelation. In the last four verses of Psalm 19... Uh, David states, Moreover by them, that is the law, thy servant is warned. And in keeping them there is great reward. He says, But who can understand his error? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. An old Protestant confession called the formula of Concord states that through Adam's Fall is all corrupt. Nature in essence human. The damage cannot be understood by reason, but only from God's Word. It's God's Word that exposes our sinfulness and our need for a Savior. That, that who is, I mean, what are we that God came to this little blue dot and died on the cross for us sinners who don't deserve it? But David concludes in these last few verses of the psalm with a plea for God's grace and forgiveness. And he concludes finally in verse 14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. He pleads for God's grace, looking to God as His rock and His Redeemer. If you're a Christian here today, do you look with awe at God's natural revelation daily? Sometimes we take all this for granted. Let us never take it for granted. But look at nature's witness and be in awe of it every day and every night. But also, secondly, stick in His stick to the greater witness of the Word of God, reading it and let it daily sink into our souls as it reveals our sins and reveals the glory and the magnificence of our Lord Jesus Christ. Unbeliever, can you not see the heaven's witness of God today? When you see it all around you, it testifies He exists the testimony's there. Won't you accept it? And will you accept His more perfect revelation, the Word of God, that you are a sinner in need of salvation? David, a man after his own, God's own heart, said these last few verses about his own sin. He understood his sinfulness. We, you and I should understand that. And if you don't know Christ, you need to understand you are a sinner who has offended a holy God. But the good news is there's a Savior, Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins today, my friend. 
Turn to Him. Believe upon Him today. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Creator, all praise and glory does belong to You today. Your creation in this great cosmos tells the entire world there is a God. There is a Creator. But Your Word even more clearly testifies of You and of our sin and of our need of salvation. Oh Lord, I see so much wickedness, so much blasphemy and mockery of Your name. Oh, how this area we need live in needs salvation. And oh, how this world needs salvation. Oh, God, save your sheep by your grace, by the merits of Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for sinners and arose three days later, and who now lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit as one God, now and forever. Amen. Maybe.